Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 25th, 2020, otherwise known as Mr. Bob Ryer's birthday! Thank you. You can rent a car now. I can go to senior shopping at the supermarket. (laughs) Get in early. Yeah. Senior prom. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> not it's not fun the senior senior prom isn't fun i'll tell you <laughs> it's all slow dances really well, slow dances really slow dances mm-hmm. very 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 happy 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 Thank birthday you. uh to you bob um things might be a bit upside down at the moment but we could take a little bit of time out from all the madness to celebrate you our dear friend of course. I just, I'm reminded of my eighth birthday where my mom had planned a party and I got the chicken pox. <clears throat> oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so the only big party I was ever going to have as a kid got canceled for a virus. There you go. Oh, and here we are again. Here we are Mr. again. <laughs> Mr. Joey Riccino <laughs> is also here. Have you ever had the chicken pox? Uh, I, I don't know. You don't, what do you mean you don't know? You know, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't think I did, but then there was this time when I think I did, but I don't think... That... You should probably ask your parents because yeah, no. you got them as an adult. That's I, bad news bears. I got vaccinated. Well, there you, you go. Yeah, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice. Also, They didn't have that vaccination for chicken pox. There she is. Yeah. Carolyn Coca is also Hello. in the house with us this week. Hi, Carolyn. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So Welcome. how did you end up here on the Talking Comics podcast? Did, did a group of uh, of men call you last week by accident, butt dial you, <laughs> and then rope you into the show? That is exactly how it happened. I was minding my own business, watching the new Clone Wars episode with Ahsoka, and my phone was buzzing, and then I saw it said, Talking Comics, Joey, hey what? There, professor. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Or you could say, I roped you in. I could have not answered. But since I did, I talked my way onto the show. Oh, oh wow. We got played. <laughs> we, got we got doctors in the house. We got comics. We got stories. We got all kinds of stuff. Uh, big news story going around this week that we'll get to a little bit later uh, and tons and tons and tons of books. Obviously, uh, we dropped a bonus podcast on Sunday, this past uh, this past Sunday, that was filled to the brim with your listener questions. So if you haven't gone to check that out, uh, maybe go and do that. It was a fun time. 
And yeah, so we're back with a regular show. We've got Carolyn with us, which is nice. It's always it's nice a special to have you show. here. It's a special show. Aww. Yeah, it is a special show. It's Bob's birthday. Bob. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> it's Carolyn Coca. It's all the things. Um, Wait, Bob's yeah. birthday, the apocalypse, and Carolyn. That's not a good trio, really. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I, I, yeah, I'd be there. Mm-hmm. When Everybody. you say it that way, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think I can hear the locusts. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we got some lightning rounds. Like I said, we got news, and I think we're going to keep it pretty tight and simple this week uh, because I think everybody is just a little bit exhausted. I don't know about you guys, but I am mentally and physically just I want to take a nap. I want to take a real long, nice nap and wake up when all this is over. Mm. It's yeah. not been so, yeah. and, uh, don't be doom and gloom, Steve. People come here for fun. Let's do some lightning rounds and shut me up. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> uh, Bob, I am going to put five minutes on the clock for you and go. Fantastic Four, number 20 by Dan Slott. Paco Medina, Jesus Arbutov, Joe Caramagna, wonderful done-in-one. And that features the return of the Fantastic Four's first villain, the Mole Man. Upon the group's return to Earth, and that now includes Johnny's new soulmate, Kayla, a.k.a. Sky, this word from Johnny's old pal Wyatt Wingfoot that the Mole Man is poised to attack the Kiwazi tribe's homeland to affect the return of some of his moloid subjects who have now taken up residence there. Simply put, this issue reads like a Perfect update to classic themes from this book's long history with a fun adventure spice with humor and heart. And frankly, that's a statement that applies to almost all of Mr. Slot's run to date. Deadpool number four by Kelly Thompson, Chris Bocciolo. That brings us the final battle between King Deadpool and the new Craven the Hunter, which takes some interesting twists in a beautifully paced and laid out sequence that is both exciting and hilarious at once when you consider it features one of the residents of Monster Island who is named Colab, the pile, who, uh, and he has the power of many man babies together. Now, <laughs> of course he does. Of course he does. Now, now this tale also has about three different endings and a short coda entitled Wayne, Wade and Jeff. Now, if you remember early on in the first issue of the series, Gwenpool dropped off. Jeff the baby land shark to be raised by Deadpool, and you can imagine where that may end up going. Speaking of raising small children, Aquaman 58 by Kelly Sue DeConnick, Miguel Mendonca, Romeo Fajardo Jr., and Clayton Cowles. There's a 10-month time jump from the royal birth, and while the little princess Andy is thriving with the help of her aunts and uncles, who are the ocean gods of Amnesty Bay, of course, Queen Mera still lies in a coma, her realm threatened from within and without. As, as I've talked about this, I have never been much of an Aquaman person, in and out all the time, but Ms. O'Connor's run on this title just continues to be stellar. And speaking of stellar runs by Kelly Sue DeConnick, the trade paperback collection of Pretty Deadly the Rat reads, just as Joey always says, as marvelously collected as it does issue by issue, and I've said this previously, too. 
I think looking back, this is just an absolute masterpiece of storytelling. So many different themes and ideas, just gorgeous to look at and even more thrilling to read. I took a shot at Outlawed Number 1 by Eve Ewing and uh, Kim Hinto. And, oh no, we open on a congressional hearing about superhumans and a public disaster. I've heard this song before, and I don't like the tune very much. Due to a battle at Cole's academic high school that pitted the new heroes of the champions against Roxxon forces and their dragon, the school has been devastated with many people injured, and so Congress has passed the Underage Superhuman Welfare Act and its enforcing body, Cradle, to prevent people under the age of 21 from engaging in superhero activity. Here's the thing for me. What this issue attempts, it's really done well, but I'm just kind of tired of this sort of storytelling. So even if this makes some really cogent points in there, I think I'm out after one issue, and I don't usually do that, but I think I'm done. Ooh. Yeah. And speaking of done, I is done. Interesting. I, um, I must admit that uh, I hadn't purchased it on Wednesday along with my other books and then saw that it was going to be on your list and I was going to wait for the old uh, Bob Ryer review yeah. before I decided to dip my toe in or not. And uh, it sounds like I might not need to. Mm. It's, it's, it's spinning out of something, isn't it? Yeah, I thought that it was maybe setting up a new run of uh, champions at some point, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's sp spinning out of something else that I didn't read. I mean, there is sort of a note somewhere early, and it spins into Empire. five or six other books. Yeah. So uh, da, 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 I'm looking for the note that I didn't see before. Mm -hmm. I also um, one of the reasons I didn't pick it up was because I think Tuesday evening I became very confused. Uh, saw something to the effect of that it was just a one-shot and that it really is just a, a springboard into whatever they're doing next or other uh -huh. stuff. I don't know. I I became I went from being very excited looking at the, the creative team and the art on the cover to being like hella skeptical after thinking that it was uh, just a gateway drug to something else. Well, yeah, well, that's what it is. Because here it is. It's to be continued in Champions number one. Mm, there it is. And okay. Then Warriors, New Warriors Outlawed, Power Pack Outlawed, Ms. Marvel Outlawed, Miles Morales Outlawed. No, it's too much Outlawed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like too much to me right now. You know, like comics might not even exist in a few weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. man. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll to get that to that. Later. Yeah, don't worry. We'll don't worry. We'll be here. Get uh, your get your your drink of choice now, alcoholic or otherwise. Get ready to pour one out <laughs> for <laughs> everything for the universe. Um, we'll I had a ton of fun with Fantastic Four and Aquaman. Uh, same Bob, I, you know, Aquaman is whatever. But I've had a lot of fun with this run. Catching up with the best up show has been great. Um, <laughs> I still don't know. I love that you're you're really enjoying the run, but you're like, ah, eh, Aquaman's whatever. The guy still can't catch a break. The guy still was yeah. he's like top. He's, he's great. He's great. He's of course, of course. But um, I I still don't know what any of the characters' names are. Like, I, there's just so many people in this book now. I'm like, which guy's named like Smee or like Squee or we, something? Twee, like, right? Yeah, Twee, right, yeah. little Wee. Like, yeah, this. there's like another. There's like an Aqua Lad guy. I don't know. It's just yeah. everybody's. I don't care what anybody's names are. Thankfully, I kind of know what they look like. So like, I'm like, okay, I'm good here. Mm -hmm. um, 
But yeah, Aquaman's a lot of fun. Um, Fantastic Four, though, was, was great. I'm a huge Wild mm-hmm. Foot fan. Um, I'm glad that it was a one and done. Mole Man's ridiculous. The Moloids are adorable in their little <laughs> cowboy hats and flannels. It's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> I love how naive Johnny Storm is. And what Still, a, what a tool bag yes. he can be. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. I... The artwork is what's holding this book back in a lot of ways. I wish they had somebody regular on it or somebody that was like, to be fair, I love how every book has looked, but the fact that it's a different artist, pretty much every book um, or different like rotating stable of artists, every book I think is keeping it from being a top tier. Look at this team on this book kind of um, kind of run. Um, Cause I think Dan Slott's doing some really, really good work with the characters uh, but if it had like a hallmark artist, like, you know, uh, Sarah Pacelli, where yeah, we or somebody like that. Yeah. yeah, totally. If this was like Dan Slott and Sarah Pacelli working on this book for the last 21 issues, 20 issues, it would be a different story. But the fact that every few, every issue or every couple of issues were changing, I think it's that inconsistency is keeping it from being the top tier book that I actually think it can be. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I really had a lot of fun with, with both of those this week. Uh, yeah, I also read Fantastic Four. I have to say, I was not even a little. I was really put off by Johnny Storm <laughs> in this issue. He was a jerk face for like the vast majority of that issue. Yeah, he only came around after uh, what's her name, Sky, Sky, had like you know done the thing and whatever. And he's like, oh, I guess she's all right. I don't know. He needs he needs to get the program. If he was not on board with the soulmate thing, which all happened very fast, this story, uh, maybe he should have thought twice before bringing her back to Yancey Street. I'm Actually, just saying. The character that's weirding me out about the whole thing is Sue. Because, like, Sue, like, in the first, like, t- ten pages of this issue was like, ugh, that girl is here. Ugh. Yeah, keep yeah, on yeah, yeah. sky along, and I'm like Sue. I feel like you'd be a little bit. I feel like you'd be a little bit more kind of understanding, um, but she comes around towards the end too a little bit. Yeah, is she just being? Is she just playing the role of the protective sister, or I think she's playing the role of like my brother is an idiot. Uh, yeah, she's seen him with how many girls to this point, including you know, Ms. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> under fractions pen. All right, well, I guess they'll sort that out in the next couple of issues. Well, there's a big Johnny uh, Storm coming tomorrow. Today, rather. Big Johnny the, story. Uh, oh, is that the... Uh, snapshot? The snapshot oh, okay. issue is, is a Johnny-centric story. Nice. Cool. Oh. And... Oh, oh no, no, oh. I'll add it to my lightning round. I'll add it to my lightning round. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bob, I don't know if you answered this question while I was away for a minute, but um, did you uh, did you check your trade paperback of the rat to see if your letter was in there? It is not. Oh, it is not. But what the, what's better though is all the readers' guides. They're page after page of discussion guides for the for the issues in the back. Okay. And I my letter will always exist in the you know single issue number three of which I have two copies. Yeah. Because awesome. uh, why not? Uh, and you know, I have the trade. Which, one, of, um, one, of, one of our other co-hosts today has also been in the pretty deadly letter pages. Carolyn, 
Uh, no, the Bitch Planet letter pages. Oh, it's Bitch Planet. That's right. I'm sorry. I that's right. You were wearing your Bitch Planet leggings when you got your Eisner. <laughs> that's right. Thank yeah. you for mentioning my Eisner, Bob. <laughs> well, someone has to. It's the law. <laughs> no, it's true because they 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 always kind of had people sending in pictures of wearing like the leggings or the nail wraps and stuff like that. So so yes, I sent in a picture of me getting the award wearing the bitch planet leggings and and i wrote this letter basically saying i was scared to death to do this i was so well steve knows i was super nervous i mean like major all kinds of bodily distress happening (laughs) but i put on these bitch planet leggings and i was like i can do this i can do this and they they got me to the stage and off the stage (laughs) so i credit them you did wonderfully it was I will never forget, like, we talk, people ask us when they send in questions about, you know, your favorite con moments. And I always, always go back to when me and Mara and Matt were all sitting and your mom and they read your name last in the list of, of people to be nominated. And then shortly thereafter, it was like just a couple of breaths. They read your name again and we were just all freaking out. Ah! Well, it, it, was it definitely helped. It totally helped that I could hear you, specifically you, going, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, that night was special, particularly for Karen, but for Carolyn, but for everybody. <laughs> uh, but I love you guys. Let's continue with the show. Yeah. Carolyn, why, why, while we have you, why don't you do your lightning round next? Are you ready? Ah, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah, I'll be right with you. Here I come. I even brought my own lightning round music. Here it is. <laughs> did you hear it? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was great. I'm All so right. glad you did that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay. But for real. Yeah, I'm ready. Here I go. Okay. You have five uh, minutes on the clock. Go. Okay. The Oracle Code. It's a graphic novel by, I'm sorry about these names, uh, Marike Nijkamp and artist Manuel Pretano. I'm basically just going to read the synopsis of it so I don't give too much away. So it says that it explores the dark corridors of Barbara Gordon's first mystery, herself. After a gunshot leaves her paralyzed, she enters the Arkham Center for Independence, where Gotham's teens undergo physical and mental rehabilitation. Now using a wheelchair, she must adapt to a new normal, but she can't escape the feeling that something is amiss. Um, Someone escapes at night, patients go missing, and she starts to pull together this puzzle, but is it just a result of her trauma and nothing is really amiss here? Other patients try to connect with her, but she pushes them away. Uh, Even her own judgment is in question. Barbara Gordon must battle the phantoms of her past before they swarm her future. So the general gist of this book is that it's it's a good book. I mean, the art is very nice. The plot is interesting. It's kind of a tween age Babs. There are diverse other students around her. They do a good job showing um, people who are learning how to use wheelchairs, how they need to maintain upper body strength, navigate around obstacles, and also have some therapy to kind of deal with their new normal. Um, there's a lot of good stuff about that curing disability is not a thing and should not be a thing because there's nothing wrong with people who have disabilities. The downside here is that this doesn't necessarily resemble Barbara Gordon in any way. It is a story that could be about any character. Um, And I wouldn't say that James Gordon is necessarily his usual self either. So there's that. All right. 
Uh, we can talk more about that later. So uh, the Robin 80th anniversary. I didn't read the whole thing. It's pretty long. I read a couple stories. I read one by Marv Wolfman. Yeah, Marv Wolfman. Wow. All right. Uh, Pencils by Tom Grummet. And it's basically about Dick Grayson turning 18 and he's stepping away from being Robin. And it's like how he's different from Bruce and how they love each other. And it's great. You know, like it just really nails both characters and their similarities and differences really nicely. It's just like classic. Then there's kind of an Agent 37 Dick Grayson story uh, by Tim Seeley and Tom King with Mikhail Hanin art, which is always welcome because, wow, can he draw Dick Grayson? Um, it's a similar kind of theme where like he he's very different from Bat. He's kind of thinking to himself all these lessons that Batman has taught him. And then he's like doing the opposite. <laughs> It's like Batman saying, don't trust anyone, don't let anyone in. And then Dick does the opposite. And, um, you know, you have to stay cold. And this is about revenge. And and he's like, no, it's about helping people. And it's about um, us reaching out to people. Um, So that one was very good, too. And then there was a Stephanie Brown story. Uh, by Amy Wolfram and Damian Scott. Um, and that was okay. Um, it was okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader 1 and 2 by Greg Pak. Art by Rafael Yenko. Not sure if that's right. Sorry. Colors by Niraj Menon. Letters, VC Joe's Car- Joe Caramagna. Um, so basically this is these, this new Darth Vader series is taking place like after the Empire Strikes Back. So it's kind of framed around he knows Luke is his son. Luke knows he's his son. And so he's trying to work with this forensics droid to find everyone who hid Luke from him and take revenge on them. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Tatooine and he goes to Coruscant. And on Coruscant and Padme's apartment, he finds this transmitter that takes him to this other planet. He goes there and he sees basically... Padme. And he's like, what? Padme? And that's how it ends. So then in number two, um, we realize it's not Padme, it's Sabe, otherwise known as the Queen's Shadow. So this is a tie-in to the excellent Star Wars novel called Queen's Shadow. I mean, it's a really, really good book. And that that book is about Padme transitioning from being a queen to being a senator and getting to know Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. And it's also very much about her handmaidens and how they real. Um, how they have different skill sets and they're all different personalities, but they're all, they can all step in for her if need be. And so like there was interesting politics in it and the characters are really well developed and it was just a great book. Anyway, back to the comic. So it's Sabe and Sabe also wants to find out, um, what ha- what happened to Padme, right? So she and Darth Vader, for very different reasons, um, both want to find out what happened when Padme died and what happened to the kids after that. So because they're being attacked at the end, they're going to work together. And everything that happens in these two issues is really nicely intercut with Vader flashing back to multiple movie scenes with Padme. So um, great story, great art. Definitely recommend looking into that. You can jump on here if you've never read a Star Wars comic before. And then last, um, Buffy, number 13, by Jordi Belair, art by Rosemary Valero O'Connell, colors by Raul Angulo and Eleonora Bruni. This is a flashback episode, and it comes after a huge event called Hellmouth that I'm happy to talk about, uh, but I'm just going to talk about this issue for now. It's a flashback episode about Kendra the vampire slayer. Um, if you don't remember her from being on the show, that's totally fine. She's in this new set of comics, but she is the slayer that's called when Buffy dies. 
So it's her and her watcher on Jamaica. She loves being there. And uh, she calls her steak Mr. Pointy. And you can see how great she is at her job. And her watcher basically is telling her at the end that how wonderful she is, but that she's been called. So she kind of packs up to go to Sunnydale. And uh, yeah, so I can talk about the several Buffy issues before that if we want to. But otherwise, that's it for me. You can talk about him if you'd like. Oh, we want to. So go, <laughs> go for it. While you and you and Joey go nuts. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> I think Joey read more than I did because I only read the Buffy ones, and Joey, you read the Angel and Hellmouth ones too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't read the Hellmouth issues. I read the last two. Mm-hmm. I didn't read the first ones, yeah. but I got from the last two what happened in the earlier ones. Uh, first of all. Rosemary, Rosemary Valerie O'Connell on Buffy. I was not expecting that. And I loved every second of that issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved it, too. She, and I mean, that's not to say... Sorry, go ahead. No, I, was, she, was she the artist on... Um, uh, what was she the artist on? Was she on... Uh, uh, mm, mm, I did not look it up, and I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad, too. Anyway, go I, ahead. Either, but, I rec- but I felt like I recognized it, and I thought it went well with the story. Uh, normally the artist is David Lopez. Laura Dean keeps breaking out with me. I didn't want to say it and sound like an idiot, uh, okay. but like she was the artist on, on Laura Dean. Okay, good. But yeah, I mean, basically what's happening here is it's in, in the previous issues is it's a Buffy angel crossover. And so in this new series, you don't have the same history that you had before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically Buffy and angel meeting. And like on the show, she doesn't know that he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. And also like on the show, in some ways, it doesn't matter that he's a vampire because he's on her side and he's, one could say, a vampire slayer as well. Mm-hmm. But the other th- stuff that I really liked was the new characters, um, like Rose, and like doing more with Robin Wood, who was on the show, but mm-hmm. he gets to act a little differently here because he's the same age as everybody else. I liked that there is Jenny Callender and... Yeah. And she and Giles are together, which is great. Um, But yeah, I think that the the, really what I like the way that it kind of comes together at the end where Mm -hmm. these girls all arrive to help Buffy and they're all working together. So this new one rose, but then also Cordelia and Anya and Willow and Kendra. And they're like a team. And that's if you I mean, if I have any. There have been uh, criticisms of my book where people say I'm not hard enough on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I think that's probably (laughs) fair. Um, But one of the things that I think it's easy to be hard on it for is its lack of diversity. And I think that the um, the comics are are better in that regard. So it's it's good to have. But that doesn't mean I would get rid of Willow and Xander. I mean, those are great characters and I love them. It just would have been nice to have a bigger circle around her kind of like this. Yeah. And. Jordy is able to do things with Willow that yeah. we had to wait five or six seasons for. Um, and it just is issue one. Yeah. She's issue one. You're one. right. In. Yeah. I loved, I love the Buffy series mainline. I think it's great. The Hellmouth crossover was a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't a proper crossover though. The angel book did its own thing with gun and Fred, Fred, who is Winifred Burkle is probably one of my favorite characters in that entire franchise. Um, that is so funny because I always felt like I never got why everybody loved her so much. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Well, she's really great in, in the in the comics here. Brian Edward Hill, Gleb Melnikov, and Roman Tidoff do the Angel books. So the, the, the Angel 
issues of the Hellmouth crossover are Gunn, Fred, and Spike um, mm-hmm. doing their thing uh, with Lilith and a big reveal of a certain big bad named Wolfram and Hart uh, making an appearance. Yes. And that's the thing, right? We're able to read these early issues um, that at once owes so much to that continuity that we're familiar with and like uses the good stuff and, and is able to like just get to the good stuff soon, but is able to do that in such a way that um, is free and able to do whatever they want with the characters as well. So uh, how they're managing to walk that very fine line of getting me to like fist bump when like certain references are made, but also making me really engage in these new iterations of the characters. I'm really impressed with the entire team. I also loved David Lopez on the on the book, um, on the Buffy on the Buffy book during the Hellmouth crossover. Um, but what I'll say, calling it a crossover, is so interesting because the Buffy books and the Angel books never met. Like the storylines did not meet, and the Hellmouth book never bridged the two either. <laughs> there was just like three separate storylines that were just like operating parallel to each other without any cross. So you could literally just read Buffy straight through and get your full story. You could read Angel straight through, get your full story, or you could read Hellmouth one through five and get your full story there as well. Um, which is actually probably the, the one kind of problematic part of the crossover because Angel and Buffy were trucking along, doing their thing, and everything was great. The Hellmouth main series, that event series, I think actually suffered because of it. Um, because I felt like there were gaps in that plot that weren't filled out. And when I went to the side books to the, the side books to kind of get the the plot filled out, it didn't do it. So um, you could have read Buffy and Angel straight through and totally not even realized there was a Hellmouth thing going on. Um, and I'll be interested to see where the books go from here. I know that Angel is now Angel and Spike. Um, yeah. And I have those issues on my computer ready to go. Um, and Buffy, there was a, there uh, apparently there was a big death in the book. I didn't, it wasn't on panel, so we'll see. Right, um, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I'm loving it. I'm loving reading the Buffy books. The whole Buffy line over at Boom, I think, is really fun. And Jordi Belair, I think, is having the time of her life on it. So, But I, I think that the real key to it is what you said, where somehow she's managing to to hit everything that you want her to if you watched that whole show and read the comics before it and loved it. But... You know, so the characters feel totally familiar, but it's like she's only taking the best things out of them and doing something new with it, like putting a couple spins on it in ways that are not you you couldn't say, oh, so and so would never do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she's making it so organic that it's just super fun. Yeah. I love I'm Cordelia. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's she's great. The only quibble I would have about um, David Lopez's art is that, for instance, when Anya showed up, I was like, is that Buffy? Like, I really didn't know it was Anya until someone called her Anya. Yeah. Um, His his faces sometimes can be kind of similar when there's sort of similar hair color surrounding it. Um, But yeah, other than that, they're a great team, a great team. And, and yeah, I'm, it's like all the characters that you like, half of whom are killed off by the end of the series are all here Yeah, (laughs) along with people from later in the series at the same time. Start from scratch again. See where it goes. I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for Adam to show up. 
Oh, is that necessary? Uh, I don't think that. No, it's not necessary at all. (laughs) Is that Angel's son? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. That was the robot man. What? Yep. Yeah. Season four? Kind of cyborg-y, season four. Robot man? Which I appreciate season four a lot more now than I did when it was happening. Riley. Is that when they go to college? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that one had a few good episodes, but overall I was like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, seasons two and three are are my favorite. Who was that jerk that she was dating that was part of that, like, elite task force thing? That's what we're talking about. That's Adam. He sucks. Yeah, but I mean, but he he didn't. I mean, in in retrospect, he didn't. It's just at the time he was uh, no angel, shall we say. Yeah. Okay, that leads me to my next question for the both of you. (laughs) Carolyn. Are yeah. you Team Angel or Team Spike? Oh, Angel, absolutely. Really? No question. Okay, Joey. Mm-hmm. Team Angel or Team Spike? I think Buffy, I think, just needs some time to herself. And she doesn't need to <laughs> attach herself to boys or vampires. This is, this is about what you want. Are you? Do you want Angel? Or I do don't you want like Spike? either of them. I don't like either of them. There it is, the truth. The harsh truth. You're so wrong. So wrong. <laughs> All right, why are you team angel, Carolyn? Oh, come on. No, I think that you're you're kind of set up to be sympathetic to Angel and they're trying to do it like a Romeo and Juliet star-crossed kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. so um so that's really the compelling part of that. I can totally see why people um would want her with Spike, right? He goes through all this stuff to sort of prove himself to her and he sort of fights against his vampire nature and he goes and gets a soul, spoilers, um, for for 1997. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I get that. I get that too. But it's also true that the writers were not really intending that from the beginning and they were really surprised when a lot of people latched on to Buffy and Spike as being a good couple. They meant it to be more cautionary, and that's not how a lot of fans reacted to it. There's a lot of toxic stuff mm-hmm. in that. There's also a lot of toxic stuff in the Angel stuff, too, which is why sure. Buffy just, she just you know, needs some time to herself. You know? That is totally true. And that's She's... why Riley is so compelling, because he appeared to be just this normal guy. Yes, he did. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, Riley should be the right guy. Except I not. cannot yeah. believe what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway I, God, I, it really yeah. is the end of the world. No, it isn't. Anyway, I also <laughs> I also read Oracle Code. Same. And, yes. What and did I you think? Couldn't agree with you more. It's well done. It really is in so, so many ways. It just, for me, these young adult graphic novels that have, have functioned the best for me are the ones that seem like they could be canon uh-huh the, the the diana one certainly this the zatanna one that just came out this just she could be barbara smith yeah that's that's and, what my my uh batgirl to oracle buddy stella said exactly that and she she wrote a review of it on the batman universe where she kind of reviews it in two separate things one as longtime barbara gordon fan slash historian slash podcaster and one like you don't know anything about it um, 
or anything about her and you come to it new. And she was basically saying, if you're a longtime Barbara Gordon fan, you could call this girl Kim. Like she has no relationship to 50 years of history of Barbara Gordon. And that's that's tough to take. And I understand they keep it's like they clearly don't know what to do with Barbara. They keep restarting her over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And they've spent the last nine years having her be unsure of herself and trying to figure herself out. And it's like, you know, she kind of had herself figured out yeah. for decades. She was, <laughs> she was in Congress for crying out loud. Yeah, she, right? I mean, she starts out as a as a grown adult. And with a PhD in library with, science. With a no PhD yeah. in library science with a brown belt in judo. And she runs for Congress, right? Dick Grayson is younger than her. And yeah, so um, I don't mind having stories where, where people are younger, but at least it should be a prelude to what's coming. And I think after so many recent years of Barbara not knowing who she is, yet another story like that, I just, it was hard for me to to get behind because they kind of keep saying, you know, she's the code that she has to crack. She loves solving puzzles, so she has to solve herself. And and she's just this master hacker. And they keep telling you she's this great hacker. And through the whole book, you see her hack once and she gets caught like five minutes later. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe she's not that good at it. I don't know. Yeah, show don't tell would be nice. I, right. Um, but but I, it's a well, I thought it was well written. I thought it, it had good messages about living with disabilities. Um, it just didn't need to be a Barbara Gordon book, really. Mm-hmm. I love the artwork. I agree with a lot of the the sentiment here, too. I was wondering as I was reading it, I was like, first of all, the teaser in the back of Shadow of the Shadow of the Batgirl or whatever the the. Yeah, which was I remember when we read that and it ends with the shot of her jumping over the roof and then cutting to be like, and now I'm in this wheelchair or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, did she fall off the roof? So thankfully, that's not what happened. You know, they, they adhere to at least some of the elements of the mythos. Um, but well, they took the ick factor out of it. Correct. I, yeah. I I was reading it and I was wondering, I was like, could this work as a new origin story? Could this work as, you know, because I think a lot of people are going to come to the, or- a lot of young readers are going to come to the Oracle code and this is going to be their, their first kind of interaction with, with Barbara Gordon and this iteration of Barbara Gordon. And I'm wondering if that's DC's kind of intention here. Is this the, is this the way to um, reintegrate the elements of Oracle into the Barbara Gordon story, um, but keep her young so that when she grows up, she can overcome it. Like we've saw in the Duke Batgirl series and blah, 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 blah. Um, without having to do the killing joke again. Um I don't know. I love the artwork and I love the story. I read it very quickly. It was a lot of fun. I like Shadow of the Batgirl more. Uh, I think I I like the the version of Cassandra Kane that we got there more than I like the version of Babs Gordon that we get here. Um, and I was also like, James Gordon isn't that bad. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. No, for sure. But, I mean, he uh, says something like, that's what got you into this situation in the first place. You know, oh. don't go chasing it. And it's like, come on, really? Are am, you like the worst father ever now? <laughs> I am glad we didn't have any Batman running around this, though. Yeah. Uh, that was nice. Uh, that It wasn't like, and the mysterious benefactor was Bruce Wayne, and he was the I Batman the whole coming. time. Yeah. I thought it was coming, too. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I I also liked the art. I liked how it was kind of like kind of grayed out stuff in the background, but had these accents that very often were yellow and purple, mm-hmm. you know, which are colors that are associated with Babs. Um, but yeah, I, the thing about making this first is that she's so young. We are we supposed to assume she was not Batgirl, like she was just to, yeah. sort of. She's just sort yeah. of this teenage hacker who, I don't know, is like interested in becoming a cop. I'm not sure if that was true or not. I couldn't quite tell. And and now she's Oracle. So then she's Oracle before she's Batgirl. I mean, yeah, that's 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 kind of the question. Yeah. See, Batgirl so informs what Oracle does that that's, right, that's she a knows- reversal. Yeah, she knows what it, I mean, being Batgirl first means she knows what it's like to be out on the street and the kinds of information that you need out there um, and what it's like to be out there and face those kinds of things. So that makes her a much better Oracle. Mm. Um, yeah, I so how she goes from Oracle to Batgirl, I, I'm not quite sure I see that path. Uh, maybe 5G will answer these questions. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Did anyone find the artwork sort of Cliff Changish? Yes, I loved it. There were, I, yeah, I, I, there were a couple of panels. Though. I was looking at, at Barbara, and I was seeing Matt from Paper Girls. Mm, that's funny. Oh, now that you say it, it's obvious. Yeah, I love the panel design too. I think it's yeah. a really well-made piece. But again, yeah. it's yeah. it's one of these it's one of these Elseworld story where they take the 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 idea of Barbara Gordon and apply it to. Uh, a haunted asylum center thing story, you know, um, which is fine. And if you read it as such, I think it's great. Um, but this question of how it operates as a Batgirl story, or does it even operate as a Batgirl story, I think is uh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. I read all of the Robin issue also. <laughs> And I was oh, like, what did you think of why, it? why am I doing this? Uh, um, I, I, I kept, I read the first like three stories and I was like, is this just going to be all Dick Grayson? And thankfully it changed. Cause I, I really do like Damien Gray. And I like uh, uh, Damien Gray. Wow. Um, <laughs> Damien Wayne and uh, uh, the super sons story mm-hmm. is great. Um, and I love Tim Drake too. So like getting those stories were really fantastic towards the back end. The Dick Grayson stuff is great. And I love how all of the other Robin stories in this massive 80th anniversary Robin, uh, issue, all of the other Robin stories, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, they all reference back to Dick Grayson and they're like, Oh, the golden boy. Everybody loves Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson. Uh, and you, you realize that all of these, like even the legacy of Robin itself is just fraught with with like trauma and shame and embarrassment and humiliation. And and I love Dick Grayson in the first story. He's like, I've outgrown the green shorts. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're probably right. Um, I agree about the Stephanie Brown story. It's it's okay. Um, there are some elements of it though that I was like, ah, I didn't really need this, you know, because that's yes, the only story exactly. in the whole issue where she's like he doesn't think I should be Robin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, uh, yeah, okay, I guess we're going to go down that road. Um, and I, I'm like, would Bruce Wayne really have been like, you're going to wear, you're going to wear uh, Tim's outfit? <laughs> like, because that's what that story suggests, that Ooh. like, he, she, like when she first started as Robin, like she had to wear the boy's clothes. 
Uh, and it didn't fit and right. And it didn't fit right. And I was like, really? Like, that's okay. I get, I get what we're doing here, but I didn't need that. Well, it's just so, it's just so, oh. <laughs> it, it's very much uh, Jean Grey makes the X-Men's costumes in yeah, the right. 60s, you know? Yeah. And I mean, as my, and, and the, the only time that I think that kind of story was done well was um, the Batgirl of Burnside makes her a cool costume out of regular clothes. But other than that, you know, we, we shouldn't have to keep telling women and fashion stories or women being unsure of themselves stories or women not being trusted by the men stories. Um, just show that they're competent. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, for any for any individual female character, it's not a big deal. It's just that when the pattern keeps being that yeah. the girls have to keep proving themselves in ways that the guys don't, it kind of sticks out after a while. Yeah, especially with that character in particular, who yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of hoping it would right. I would kind of I was hoping when I saw that there was a story of her in there that they would that there would be no baggage and it would just be like she and Batman are having a fun adventure that we never saw. Yeah. But I guess they decided not to do that. <laughs> now, how do they handle the whole spoiler Batgirl, uh, now she's Robin thing? How does that all, what's, what timeline are they trying to tell no, there now? They were just like, here's yeah. a story. Oh, okay. Yeah, she, she's just Robin. Yeah, please. They're not going to use the Robin 80th anniversary oversized special to be like, we're going to fix continuity here. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> But since since I was made to pick between um, Angel and Spike, I'm I'm just going to pick my Robin too. Dick Grayson is my Robin. Fight yeah. me. Well, when when <laughs> you started your recap and you were like, I read all the Dick Grayson stories, I was like, oh, yep, there we go. <laughs> Those were not my exact words. <laughs> I wrote the first. <laughs> okay, maybe they were close. Whatever. Um. No, I, I do. I think that there are a, there are good stories with every Robin for sure. Damien is my Robin. Damien's pretty cool. I do. I like him a lot. I don't know that I have enough reading experience with some of the other Robins. I couldn't pick Tim Drake out of a lineup. I <gasps> don't got, know that character at all. He's got two R's on his chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> News, news to me, man. Uh, no, I know, I know Nightwing. No Nightwing's butt. I know uh, Dick Grayson, Damien, Red Hood, Jason Todd. You know Red Hood. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've. I mean, I've definitely read. I've. I've read stories with them. I just wouldn't say that I know them. Mm-hmm. You haven't. Like known if you asked them. me to hang out with them for an hour while you went out for a little bit, I'd feel very awkward. <laughs> I would. I could hang with Damien for a while. We could just hate everything for an hour before they come back. Uh, I also wow. really like Damien in the Stephanie Brown Batgirl run. He's pretty yes. funny. Yeah. Yes. The super, like uh, Joey mentioned, the Super Sun stuff is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Him coming into uh, was Snyder's and Capullo's Batman run. He was really well utilized there. And uh, yeah. Oh, and I also like that one where Dick Grayson was Batman and Damien was Robin. That was fun, too. That was uh, Morrison. That was Grant Morrison, right? Yes, right. Sweet. Wow, you're uh, 
your lightning round went to some places. Oh, yeah. It was it was more like a lengthy thunderstorm round. Ah, there it is. That's awesome. Sweet. Uh, Joey, how about you? You want to go next? I will go next, yes. Hooray. Okay, I've got to put five minutes on the clock for you and go. Okay, very quickly. Today, I rewatched Endgame. And Ooh. it is still towards the bottom of my list. I... I really like a lot of that movie. I laughed out loud. I had a ton of fun. But there are those three things that I'm just like, ugh, takes me right out of it. The ending with Captain America, Black Widow, and the third thing was, oh, just the the continuity of the last battle. I'm like, none of this makes sense. None of any of this makes sense. Um, but it is still an epic, wonderful kind of... Uh, I'll never forget watching that movie in theaters. It was just such a remarkable experience. And I actually think... And I... Who knows now when we'll see it. But I think the Black Widow movie is going to... Uh, might might change some of my feelings about some of that Ooh. arc. I'm still upset about it. And it's still dumb. And I don't like it. Um, but I'm wondering... <laughs> I'm wondering how the Black Widow... It's still Widow, the worst. Uh, the Black Widow thing. I, I, I didn't find myself hating it as much as I still hate Old Cap so much. But anyway, the other <gasps> thing that... Um, the other thing that uh, I listened to this past week was the Marvel's podcast. Somebody mentioned the Marvel's Spotlight. I think, Bob, you mentioned the Marvel Spotlight's mm-hmm. coming out this week. The Marvel's podcast came out this past week the first episode it's from it's from stitcher again in marvel they did the wolverine podcast as well um this one is like the phil sheldon in the 60s galactus is coming wow. it, they, they're, they're telling the story i don't think the voice acting is as good as the wolverine Aww. podcast so it's a bit of a bummer but i still love the marvel story so i'll be listening to it and they're fun like 20 25 minute episodes so i'll definitely stick with that a little bit um, all right, so into the comics here. Uh, so I'm halfway through my reread of Magnificent Miss Marvel, uh, which I promised on the podcast I would read this mm-hmm. past week. So I was able to read one through seven because that's what's on Marvel Unlimited. So that's what I read. Um, Saladin Ahmed, Mink Yu Jung, and Joey Vasquez with Ian Herring sticking around on colors from the uh, from G. Willow Wilson's run. Um, the... F- I remember our my core complaint with the first three issues. Uh, it, it wasn't so much the the high sci-fi fantasy Kamala being this like chosen one from a distant galaxy and being taken to that planet and blah blah blah. That kind of stuff is Saladin Ahmed's like bread and butter. So if he wants to tell that story with Kamala Khan, go for it. I think it's great. My problem with those first three issues was I think I was so used to having the story from Kamala's perspective as the narrator, yeah. as the voice that we were following as she kind of grew up and grew into this power set and grew into this, all the struggles and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And the first three issues aren't that it's Bruno, it's her mother. It's all these other characters uh, that are telling the story of Kamala Khan. And I think that took me out of those that those first couple of issues and and as we all know i think a lot of us kind of dropped off of it at least here on the podcast so mm-hmm. now going back in and reading straight through the fourth issue goes back to kamala khan's perspective so i was like oh man should have stuck around one more um and then from then on four five six seven we're with kamala khan through there and i will say that once we get back into that perspective it, it feels a little bit more like a miss marvel book um and 
a power to again Saladin Ahmed for telling the story that I think he loves telling those sci-fi stories. Once we get off of that that mystery planet and and Kamala Khan kind of learns the lesson there and she comes back home and everything's going on with her family and her friends and she's back in Jersey City. Uh, I was like, oh wow, this feels like Miss Marvel again. And five, six, seven, I was having the time of my life and I was like, oh man, I love reading this book and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, so, uh, maybe I wish that we had stuck it out a little bit longer. Um, but reading it all straight through this past week, the first seven issues, I, I really enjoyed it. I really, Minkyu Jung, Jung and Joey Vasquez's art is really growing on me. I love it, love it a lot. Uh, it's just different enough from what, um, Takeshi Miyazawa and, uh, Nico Leon were doing with, with the, the first run that it's it's putting its own mark on it having ian herring still on on colors definitely maintains some of that continuity though so if you fell off miss marvel i would recommend jumping back on i'm, mm. I'm really enjoying it uh i'll let you know if the back half of the issues that we haven't read hold up um but i i really enjoyed issues five six and seven in particular um, just a couple of quick hits here to wrap up my round. Uh, Something is Killing the Children is back with number six. James Tynan, Werther Deladero with Miguel Murto. Uh, we are in the first uh, chapter of The House of Slaughter. And we get some Erica Slaughter uh, background here. And we'll get more in the coming issues. Just want to say, in The House of Slaughter, everybody wears the mask. So it's a good time. Uh, the art's great. The storytelling's great. Werther Deladera has to do like a bunch of like two page spreads in this issue and they all look fantastic. So I really love Something is Killing the Children. Definitely one of my favorite series from last year. Uh, Batman number 91, another James Tynan book. Here's the artists on this one. You ready for this list? Rafael Albuquerque, Jorge Jimenez, Carlo Pagalayan, and Danny Mickey with Romero uh, uh, on colors. Uh, Romero more on colors. Um, Again, it's just like a, a different set of artists every week. I don't know. I like this issue. I'm liking the story. Whatever. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I, you sound thrilled. I, I, it's whatever. I, it's not bad where I'm going to drop it, but it's I'm not as... I don't know. Hey, if you're like a Batman, hey. have a good time. Um, <laughs> Undone by Blood, number two. I talked briefly about this book about a month ago. This is from Aftershock. Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson with Sammy Cavella and Jason Wardy. Uh, this is the one where it was like the, the the girl shows up in Sweetheart, Arizona, and she's got a shaved head, and she's got like her punk t-shirts, and like she's trying to like avenge the murder of her parents in Sweetheart a few years ago, and it's like cross-told with this like pulp western novel she's reading starring Solomon Eaton, who's like this gunslinger, and his family gets kidnapped by bandits, and like it's, it's really dark and moody. Uh... I love it. Uh, this is filling that gap in my reading schedule between Criminal Ending and uh, the Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Western thing coming out this spring. Undone My Blood is like filling that little niche in my reading uh, reading catalog right now. I'm really enjoying it. And again, the art from Sammy Cavella is, is really wonderful too. Uh, and the last thing I want to remind everybody of, I don't want to talk too much about it, but Atlantis Attacks. Uh, I read numbers two and three this past week. This is Greg Pak. Uh, with art by Ario Anindito and Robert Gill with Rochelle Rosenberg on colors. This is the new Agents of Atlas and the old Agents of Atlas fighting Namor and giant dragons. Uh, so well. get on it. It is awesome. But as revealed in issues two and three, maybe the bad guy is the, uh, uh, you know, billionaire CEO 
behind the tech conglomerate company that has been manipulating <laughs> things behind the scenes. Eat the rich. Okay, boom. There we go. That's my letter <laughs> around. Nice. Awesome. I, I went I went a little further than you did, Joey, with Ms. Marvel. And yeah, coming out of space really helped, but we, we get very dark. I don't want to spoil too much, but Kamala's family problems got really big. I like that part and of it, it though. It, it threw me, though. It, I, I was hoping for, okay, let's give her a break for a couple of issues. We went right into that, and I don't know. I haven't gotten to the culmination of that. I think that's still ongoing even as we speak. We're into, I think, issue 17 or 18 at this point. Uh, 14. 14? Yeah. I had many, many doctors around, as I remember what, reading the last issue I had. Yeah. I'm liking that part of it, um, and I... And I reading the first issue again, I was like, it's so obvious, you know, it's so obvious that that's where we're going with this, with, with her father. Yeah. And, um, and then going off into space just felt like something I didn't want to do. I wanted to stay there with the family drama because that's where, that's where the Miss Marvel story has really thrived, uh, in its Absolutely. Run, right. Friends and family and the way that she, uh, interacts and 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 balances that while also balancing that with her, her super heroics which is also why spider-man works <laughs> you know like that's why peter yes. parker works that's why miles morales works and that's why kamala khan was working for so long and uh the space as cool as it was and gave her a new suit and gave her some new things to kind of meditate on uh it just felt like it just felt like a departure from the actual story that 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 I really wanted to 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 hear about uh, in that book. Um, but I, I reading the last couple of issues, um, it actually makes me want to read the rest that are out. So, okay. So I, it really hit me well. You'll have to report back to me because I, I miss reading Ms. Marvel. Mm. Yeah, hmm. I only read the first three, like you said, Joey. That's that's when I stopped. Yeah, same. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you uh, yes. you enjoyed it when you got back yeah. into it. That's great. But Good what's stuff. happening with Batman, Joey? It sounds like it's like I mean, like <laughs> things are still crazy. It's the designer. He's still got his freaking cape and his like his his, his weird like. Uh, half mask and he's like i'm a power ranger villain it's like crazy and, <laughs> and and there's like some twists and turns in this issue and i'm like i thought we did this already last issue like did i read last issue i can't things are so crazy and um what's happening this time around is the the designer is like just kidding i'm even manipulating the bad guys and the bad guys are like what and now they're all kind of teaming up to fight off the designer and i'm like this is I'm lost. Um, <laughs> I will say there's a really great Joker sequence at the beginning of of uh, this, at the beginning of this issue that I I really did enjoy, and I'm wondering like, why didn't we just do this, you know? Ooh. And I'm also wondering, I get DC is is different than uh, Marvel in this regard, but I think this I think that this uh, this run and this series would have benefited from not continuing the numbering. Uh, I know DC doesn't do that, but like, like letting Tynan start with Pennyworth RIP as a bridge issue and then starting with 
Batman number one or something. Like, I, I think that that would have really... It's hard coming off 85 issues. Yeah. that's It blows my mind that that's... And I get it. I get the legacy numbering. I get that that's kind of the shtick over there. But uh, I think that that really works against this one. Well, we've got more Joker stuff coming. Joker War, I think, is the next arc. Yeah. Mm. Get excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit since I've checked in with Batman. I still haven't caught up. I'm probably three issues behind at this point i'll get there uh i'm gonna put five minutes on the clock for myself and go so okay here's the deal i don't have too many books for you this week because as of friday of last week i have eaten i have breathed i have slept i have dreamed about Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Ronwin and I are positively obsessed getting our islands started. This game could not have come at a better time. It's all about getting away to this deserted island, making friends, building furniture, catching bugs, building museums. It's amazing. Uh, and it's got really good vibes to it, and we're having a lot of fun, and honestly, that is all I want to do. <laughs> every single moment of every day. But I did read Bad Reception, number four, Words, Art, and Letters by Juan Do. All things considered, it's a hell of a time for this book to be coming back, as it is after several months of hiatus. It's all about social distancing, getting off the grid, going to a highfalutin wedding, only to find out that there is a psycho killer on the remote island. And in this issue... Dun, dun, dun. We learn why it's all happening. Or at least why it might all be happening. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. It's pretty interesting. I don't know if I trust anybody now. But a shady member of the cast is outed for crimes, uh, for killing people that uh, they're not the killer, but they have their own agenda. And one of my favorite characters is no longer with us. And the book starts off with this absolutely gorgeous, epic, and bloody battle, and it ends poorly for one of my favorites. Oops. And I was very upset, but it was it was epic. It was awesome. It was very reminiscent of Luther Strode, just in its intensity and some of the angles and just the way like the the it's very much like a, almost like a wrestling match between the characters. And so their bodies are bending over backwards and the art is kind of warping along their spines. And it's just really, really awesome. Uh, and it ends in like this Mortal Kombat like fatality. And I was just like, no, totally gross, totally awesome. I'm super, super glad that this book is back because it's so good. It's so intense. And I really, really, really do enjoy it. I have decided that the next time that we get asked a question of like, what do you want to see as a TV series or a movie? I would love the people that put uh, ready or not together to do an adaptation of bad reception, I think would be awesome. So that's just my two cents. Uh, next up on my list is X-Force number nine, continuing with the X-Books written by Benjamin Percy, Art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Dean White, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. 
This book opens with Wolverine and Dokken sitting across from one another at a table, flanked by upward of 10 other mutants at first. I'll explain later. Uh, Logan and Dokken each have one fist pressed to the side of their heads, and there's a bottle spinning on the table. I will let you guess what happens next when that bottle lands. Uh, it was a really disturbing and interesting way to kick this issue off. And sitting in between them, I almost forgot to mention, is Gabby, a.k.a. Honey Badger, and is now known as Scout, according to uh, X-Force number nine. I think uh, somebody reached out to me on Twitter and said that that name change had happened during Mariko Tamaki's run. I must have missed an issue or two of that when that happened. But anyway, she's back, and I love Gabby, and she's only got a couple of panels in this one, but every one of them is used to bring joy to the world. Uh, this issue is really crazy in that you get to see... Do you remember? Do you guys remember the third Matrix movie? Or is it the oh. second one when they go to the Zion and they go to that party and everybody's raving? Nope. Out of my head. Really? Entirely. Yep. Nobody. Rem okay. Well, I remember. I remember. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Uh, Krakoa, at least this part of Krakoa, is party central. And they've got apocalypse tiki mugs which is amazing. It's called the Green Lagoon, by the way, where this party is happening. And you get, at one point in the book, you get this giant, absolutely gorgeous double-page spread of the whole thing. And it's kind of this, like, where's Waldo for, like, Jamie Madrox? Like, they're, they're all over the place, and you have to find them. There's this uh, picture of, like, Nightcrawler who's uh, teleporting through the party, and at one point in the teleportation sequence, it's just his hand reaching behind the bar and grabbing a bottle. And then the next one that you follow him to is him like in midair, just chugging the bottle. It's really amazing. Anyway, everybody's there. Shaw's puking into the water. Dazzler's performing on her own tiny island stage. There's all kinds of fireworks. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Domino and Sage get into this really like almost deep disturbing conversation about uh domino spoilers has recently been resurrected and has kind of all she not kind of she has she's altered herself she's altered her memories or at least her perception of the memories she remembers what happened to her when she was basically she was taken by you know the opposition and they had flayed her and used her skin to get through the portals and attack Krakoa on their own turf, the whole bit, uh, she has taken these memories out of her head in her in her new edition. And so Sage starts like, you know, tips one one or two back and starts getting into this deep conversation about her doing that. And we get this really interesting commentary on like the resurrection scene on Krakoa and what the X series is doing by bringing these characters back and sacrificing others so that the planet can thrive and all of those things. And so sandwiched in between this party, you get this really deep, like 3 a.m. by the campfire conversation. And then you got Black Tom. He's hammered. He's tired of talking to Krakoa 
It's absolute madness. Anyway, the book kind of springboards off of all of that. I know I'm talking for a really long time, but this book is so much fun. Logan, Domino, and Quentin, they go through a portal to a place called Terra Verde. And have you guys all seen Annihilation? Yes. Okay, so the botanical virus that's happening in that movie mm-hmm. is what's going on in Terra Verde. And like the whole place has been overrun by... Uh, foliage and flowers and like plant monsters and just this this overgrowth and it is absolutely gorgeous i mean it's deadly but it's very pretty thanks to the art that's going on in this book and it just leads you down this really interesting rabbit hole this series has been one of the standouts uh i think since all the x stuff started um i've been consistently having a lot of fun with x-force in that it's kind of goofy it asks a lot of big questions uh, every now and again, kind of the questions that I have in my head from reading like the mainline book um, specifically about the resurrection aspects. I like to get into characters' heads and find out what they're thinking and to talk to the people that are going to like, you know, change who you are and bring you back and make decisions about your old life that you don't want to remember. That brings about a lot of stuff, or at least it would for me. You know, if I could forget my surgeries, would I would I do that? You know, would I not know why I have my scars, stuff like that? And uh, I don't know, man, these are the places that I go to when I'm reading some of these X books and I really, really enjoy it. So there is my very long winded (laughs) thing about X-Force number nine. My apologies uh, this this book just it, it gets my mind. My, the gears are turning whenever I read X Force. It's been really really good. That's so all you need to say. There you go. Yep. All right. Let's go on to some open discussion books. Let's see, Bob. Oh, all right. I was not expecting that. Okay, no problem. Here we go. You ready? Yes. Okay, we are going to start open discussion with Wicked Things number one. Yeah. John, John Allison, Max Saren, <laughs> Whitney Kogar, Jim Campbell, the Giant Tays Team Supreme. So what we have here, Charlotte Grody, uh, sister of Sarah and fr- from Esther's old friend, who we know from Giant Days, Bad Machinery, and Scary Go Round, is headed off to university. But first, she's nominated for Teen Detective of the Year 16 to 18 division by National Solver Magazine, and that nomination includes a trip to the ultra-posh Savoy Hotel in London. What seems that what should be a lovely bonding moment with, with her peers instead becomes a murder with Lottie at the center of the mystery. If this miniseries is indeed Mr. Allison's last visit to the Tackleford universe, I think it's going to be a special one as I was knocked out by this. Just absolutely marvelous. So what did everyone else think? Uh, Joey, why don't you go ahead? I had so much fun. I didn't know what this was going to be at all. And then I, all I know is John Allison, Max Aaron. I, I was like, here we go. Right, let's open it. Open it. And I just was immediately charmed by what was happening. And then I found out it was it was kid detectives, teen detectives. And I was like, yeah. this is the greatest thing I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> um, it's funny. It's witty. It's charming. And it's also kind of messed up (laughs) like there are a ton of things that happen in this issue that leads to obviously the big cliffhanger and all of that stuff and i was like oh wow 
this is not for kids here. Um, there's a murder. There's a murder going <laughs> yeah. on in this book. Um, I also love her best friend that like is totally there for her, even in her most ridiculous and, and crazy moments. Mm. And the art is just so fun. It's so yeah great. And when I think of John Allison books, this is the style. I think it just, it's what it is, you know? And, uh, I, I cannot wait for the next issue. I want it now in the same way that giant days was the same thing. Um, and by night and, and, uh, what was the one with the priest and the monsters? What was it called? Steeple. 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 Yes. Uh, all of those. I just, I want the next issue. I want the fun. I want the charm. I want just the, the energy of those books in my life. Love it. Thumbs up all around. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really blown away by this first issue. You know, again, uh, like Joey said, not really knowing what this was going to be going into it. I'd read very little about it. I just saw the creative team and knew that I was down for it. And, you know, just like Max Saren's artwork kind of evolved throughout the Giant Days run, all of that history and all of that talent is here in this issue you have the super expressive characters, all the little nods and cool stuff that, that's in the background. This issue in particular, I mean, I know this happens in comics everywhere all the time, but I couldn't help but think about the positioning of of like objects and things where something is coming in from, let's say, off panel. Um, where do you decide where that stuff begins and ends? Like if there's a pile of let's say stuffed animals in one of these scenes and stuff like that. Like what do the stuffed animals look like if they're sitting on a shelf properly from this angle or that angle of the room, what does that look like? And just all the planning that is involved in that and, and how artists create these things. Anyway, I was really blown away by it. All of it. I super love it. Love the character. She's a big fan of Harborough gummy bears and <laughs> Maybe they had some child labor problems, but their candy's delicious, and I love them. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this is this looks like another smash hit from them. Uh, do we know how many issues this is? I think it's five. Okay. Well, I am down. But for we'll all see. Five. Yeah. This Maybe looks like it's. Go ahead, Bob. No, uh, with any luck at all, we'll get to have all of it one way or the other. We'll see. Good folks at Boom will not leave us hanging. God, I would read anything that Max Aaron is on. I love his art so much. To her. Oh, I'm oh my I'm sorry, my apologies. That's okay. I did not realize. Or I forgot. I can't remember which. Um the the panel where where Lottie is, I will destroy them all by winning the award, then demolish them in the ultra competitive world of adult sleuthing. <laughs> Lightning striking in the background. He can hear the thunder, and her her expression is incredible. Amazing. Yeah, super fun. Really, really looking forward to the next issue. All right. Uh, Carolyn, would you care to go next? Um, Sure. I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel 16, uh, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Lee Garbett, colors by... Tamra Bonvillain. No, Tamra Bonvillain. Bonvillain! 
<laughs> and letters by VCs, Clayton Cowles. So this wraps up the last Avenger arc that's been for the past few issues. And there were some very nice, very Carol moments over this arc. And in this one, too, it's fun when she interacts with the other Avengers. She's got a clever solution to this problem that's been playing out. She looks super cool. And this isn't a spoiler because it's on the cover because she's standing with Cap's shield and Thor's hammer. But to this is just me, I'm sure. But to me, this whole arc was like just a lot of punching and that's just not my thing. And I was just bored flipping these pages of people fighting each other. Look, I, I know that some people really like the heroes fighting and, you know, who would win in a fight kind of thing. It's, it's just not my thing. So I do think that it was well written. I do think it was well drawn, but it just was not for me. All right. Uh, Bob. I, as we were discussing with the last couple of issues where it seemed we tread the same ground a couple of times, it, it was nice that, to me, this came to a, a much better conclusion. I had, a, as Carolyn said, there are, there's a lot of punching. There are, though, enough of those other Carol moments where you're seeing her determination, her, her intelligence to have sorted this out. And by bringing back singularity, that was that was a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. those, in, in a way that, because she gets to use without spoiling too much, as, as Carolyn says, some extra toys. She she actually embodies the idea of the last Avenger here. She's the Earth's last hope, and it takes all the Avengers through her and how she cleverly came up with this. So. I'm really enjoying what Kelly Thompson is doing. I can see how this wouldn't be for everyone, this particular little arc. But mm -hmm. we'll see where we go heading off into event crossover time real soon. Mm. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds as if they have like plans well into the future for this book. I think I read something, maybe even in the back matter here, that the book is selling really well and it's it's one of Marvel's biggest books right now and you know, they're overjoyed to be doing this thing and that thing, and they have plans yeah. down the line and everything like that. And there's, of course, the star spinoff. And, you know, it's it's really it's nice to know that the Captain Marvel book is having so much success, you know, and that that Kelly Thompson seems like a lock for the character for at least the next little while, um, probably into next year, I would imagine, and maybe even beyond that. Uh, yeah, I you know, I kind of. I kind of hear a little bit of, of what Carolyn is saying. I mean, we kind of talked about this last time that um, each issue kind of felt like another boss level. And uh, I do also agree with Bob in that there are definitely like some choice Carol moments to pick out. And I really do think that once you see the, the plan come to fruition, that you do get to see how smart she is and, and how well thought out, like, you know, against all odds there's no solution she figures one out and i also like the singularity stuff i thought that that was a really clever way to kind of get in and out of uh fooling this villain and and just getting the job done and uh there's some real hardcore monster moments in here as well which I, I thought was nah man <laughs> i was <laughs> reading that cool. sequence and i was like this is a lot there are faces in her body yeah and yeah, I, yeah I that's not, not for like me it. i was like oh gosh i loved lee's lee's art for this arc um 
through and through just absolutely amazing. The the moment where Carol is kind of out she's out of the suit and and about to do her thing, that page in particular is glorious. And there's another one where she's on fire later on that is is particularly awesome as well. Uh there's even a character that is very reminiscent of Skyward. Uh the Lee's uh, rendition of Spectrum I thought yeah. was uh was very reminiscent of the uh Skyward art. And yeah, I, you know, like aspects, aspects of this, I, I really, really enjoyed. And I'm, I'm excited to see where Carol goes next and what, what Kelly and, and everybody has in store for her, for sure. Uh, maybe not my favorite arc of the series so far, but, you know, nothing that would put me off of the book by any means. So, Joey, was that, was, were those all your thoughts? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, last but not least, we have got Spider-Woman number one. This is written by Carla uh, Pacheco, art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank D. Armada. Jessica Drew has been a lot of things throughout her Marvel history. An Avenger, a spy, a detective, and she's also a mother. And when you've got a mouth to feed other than your own, you'll do just about anything to put food on the table, including a job working superhero security at a wealthy teenager's birthday party. Naturally, waves of bad guys arrive at the party and Jessica has to go to work. That's not an issue. But what's strange is that she's particularly violent and foul mouthed for almost the entirety of the issue. Uh, at first, I was like, okay, this is going in a bold direction. I don't know how I'm going to react to this. And honestly, I don't know that I was really feeling it. But then I got to the final page cliffhanger, and I was like, ah, okay, I'm interested. <laughs> uh, this book really put me off at first. The violence, the language, the insensitivity towards certain characters – then I started to laugh at what I thought were some really entertaining beats. Uh, I won't spoil everything, but Jess driving a car uh, into a speedboat was pretty damn good. Uh, tossing Deadpool kid into the ocean got a good laugh out of me. Anyway, uh, then there's this panel toward the end that is straight up Japanese body horror all the way. And I have no idea what's going on. But I'm kind of fascinated by what I was given. And I liked it even more on a second go around uh, when I read it again last night for the show. Uh, yeah, I, you know, mixed emotions throughout, but curious nonetheless. Not what I was expecting at all, considering that Jessica drew very much in my head uh lately has been Kelly Thompson's voice writing her. And uh, even the little moment in Captain Marvel number 16, where she shows up for literally a panel, like that's the Spider-Woman voice in my head. And uh, I think it might take an issue or two to get there. Um, but this looks like it's going to be something a little bit different. And hey, why not? So did anybody else enjoy it? It's yeah. okay. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> I liked it a lot. How about I go first and then and then we yeah, okay. I liked it a lot all for right. a lot of the same reasons. I love the energy. It was that like it was it was like a punk rock, like I'm gonna fly boats into speed into speedboats and crash helicopters and just blow stuff up. And uh I liked it. I liked it a lot. I love mm. the attitude, I love the energy. 
it was different. I think that there is motivation for it and there's perspective for it in terms of the story that I'm sure we're going to get over the course of the next couple of issues. I like the new suit. Um, I had fun with it. It was it was not the Spider-Woman that we read last time uh, in that wonderful series where, where, where mm-hmm. she has the, the baby. Um, but I'm glad that that continuity still exists and we're getting this kind of different iteration of the character um my question is what was the impetus for this series like where did it come from what was the pitch who like who was like this is what we want um but i had fun (laughs) with it i really did i was also taken aback for a lot of those same reasons steve at the start but then i was like ah she wants to kill a helicopter with a boat fine let's do it uh and uh, i was there for it it's like Die yeah. Hard with Spider Spider Woman. I'm here for I it. I came around to I have to say I didn't really love the art. I'm hoping that it'll grow on me. That last page though really got me. I follow some pretty wicked uh artists on Instagram and such and uh I I enjoyed that final panel maybe a little too much. Uh Bob, let's hear your thoughts. Uh, uh that sequence with the the various groups trying to kidnap the 16 year old and and the violence and everything that yeah that that struck me as not the spider woman i was hoping to read the Mm -hmm. the dennis hopeless uh javier rodriguez run that we just came off of one of my favorites in in recent time my history with spider woman goes back to marvel spotlight all the way back number 32 and the solo series since or her first solo series, she's basically a detective and all those sorts of things. Um, it's a, it was a bit much for me to take in. I'll try one more. I think I hate to sound that way twice on one show, but no, it's, fine. it's sort of, I, I was hoping for something a little different in the same way that yeah, totally. e- even though, uh, Mariko Tamaki did that. She Hulk series a while back. It was well done for what it was, but it just wasn't. It's not in, connecting with me in that way. I'm, I'm just not seeing it in that way. Right. I'm. I, I gotta say, I liked her last suit with the jacket more yes. than this because I, I, I was this never a huge fan suit. of the original. Yeah, where, where this is now a knockoff Spider-Man costume, mm-hmm. and yes. she's so much more than that that her R's had nothing to do with his. This isn't Spider Gwen. This is someone <laughs> completely different, and that that threw me too. So, All right. oh well. All Carolyn? fair points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I agree with all of you in some ways. It was it was fun to read. Um, I certainly liked uh, Deadpool Kid getting thrown in the water. Yep. That was very <laughs> very satisfying. Um, who doesn't like driving a car into a speedboat? Great. Um, at downing a helicopter great um but (laughs) yeah i think that the i i didn't love the idea of the suit even though i thought it looked nice on um i definitely prefer the one with the jacket like bob was saying and i was really happy to see um roger and the baby show up you know in the backup but the art in the backup really was not for me um I did not need to see Angela's butt hanging out of the back of her shorts there. Mm. She was put in the middle of the panel for us to definitely see her butt hanging out of the back of her shorts. Um, so, I mean, I, I'll see where it goes. I like the character. It could be fun. But I all I also have sort of Kelly Thompson's Jess in my mind. 
Um, and yeah, I've been 100%. Reading, you know, and I've been reading and rereading like a lot of Captain Marvel lately because I was writing it about it, you know, for a book thing. So um, when you when you kind of read all the way through um, from 2012 to the present, there's a good amount of Jess in there, and this didn't necessarily totally mesh with that. Uh, so we'll see, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely check out another issue. Uh, and I have to say, we mentioned the helicopter thing. The way that she takes the helicopter down is particularly cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a good that was a good few pages. That whole sequence, I thought that was very cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. All right. Let's see here. We have uh, we have some news. Big we definitely news. have some news. Uh, Bob, would you care to take it away? Yeah. Uh, with all that's going on in our country and the world regarding the coronavirus, there have been initial rumors about what was going to happen to the comic book industry, how this was going to sort itself out. We had some of the individual companies, particularly the smaller press, decide to do complete 100% returns, or Boom had a whole new incentive program where not only were their books returnable, they were going to send re every retailer variant covers they could sell, do whatever they wanted to, give them away to better customers. As people try to navigate the change in traffic in stores that are mostly, we talk about people living paycheck to paycheck, there are stores in that same, same bit, and with a timed product, what are we to do? Well, the rumors began on Monday that Image was not going to accept shipment of product to their warehouses, that eventually morphed into the addition that uh, Diamond, rather, Diamond will not be accepting nor shipping goods after tomorrow. Except for direct reorders, they're going to try to put everything on pause. They're allowing their retailers to also put their accounts on hold, which... Yes, it's 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 a step. It's not necessarily a great one. They're beholden to some bigger publishers themselves who didn't provide all the help they could have also. But as we were discussing earlier, since Diamond is the only game in town for single-issue books, they're sort of the 800-pound gorilla that can do what they feel like. Now, for stores... I think the number is a third of the comic stores in the country are on some sort of social distancing slash lockdown. Between New York, California, certainly, it was a it's tough calls to make, and then it's where we all go forward. So, what do we all think of what just happened and where we're heading next? Um, poof. I don't know. I have a lot of questions about this. And again, I had technical difficulties while you were explaining things and I lost okay. you for a portion of it. Uh, I mean, what is there to say? Do we need more distributors after something like this? Is it is it really a good idea for Diamond to be the only game in town? Uh, how many comic shops are going to be able to survive uh, even a month and a half to maybe several months, we don't know, of being out of the business. You know, where does this leave creators on their books that haven't launched yet? 
will they be pushed? Will they be canceled? You know, I've I've seen a number of people over the last couple of days since all of this uh, came about that they'd heard from friends who had lost books. And uh, I'm curious about the digital end of this. You know, will comics continue digitally um, or do we put the entire medium on hold and just don't get new stories until all of the stuff can be sorted out and things can be, you know, safely sorted and shipped. And uh, I guess the, you know, the biggest, the bigger question is do, who do you, who do you side with in this situation? You know, do you, do you take solidarity with the stores and not sell comics digitally or do you continue on? Because that's the only way to distribute and continue the way these stories are told. So, like I said, I have a lot of questions. I don't know if anybody can answer any of them, but maybe that gives us some stuff to kick around. Uh, Joey, do you have any thoughts? Uh, so, like, if we look at movies as a parallel, like, studios are pulling all their big releases. They're pushing them to the fall. A lot of them are releasing them digitally, video on demand. Side note, Birds of Prey on demand now. You can get it. Uh, yep. Bloodshot too. I will also be getting that soon. Not Bloodshot. Bloodshot was a mess. But Birds of Prey, favorite movie of the year. <laughs> but anyway, but here's the thing. That's billions, millions of dollars, right? If a shop and movie like movie theaters are struggling with how they're going to come back from it, those are big chains. Uh, my local comic shop, R.I.P., couldn't survive a month of some unfortunate series of events that that you know week after week they just kept getting hit they missed a shipment uh something happened they were forced to close on a new comic book day they missed like that thing one month month and a half they were gone you know um i i think i think we were expecting this announcement i think we were expecting diamond to say look we can't ship books anymore for a lot of reasons uh we shouldn't be shipping things. That's like, that's how things spread. Uh, and, and people shouldn't be going to shops and things like that. And, and shops were kind of doing admirable things, you know, home delivery and, and, and that kind of thing and holding books and they did the best they could. But once the main or slash only distributor decides, we're not going to send you new books, then, then your then your supply is gone, and if your supply is gone, you can't operate. And if you can't operate, you lose revenue. And if you lose enough revenue, as a as an already at risk industry of a, running a local comic book shop, you're probably gonna disappear. Um, and I it, like Comicsology and Amazon are not gonna stop releasing books digitally same day. That's the sad truth of these publishers who also need to get their money. And readers, I suppose, have the choice to wait a month, two months for the shipments to reach the comic shop and the quarantine to end. And then you go to your shop and you get two months of books and you could do that. Or readers will log on to these digital readers, Comixology, Marvel, DC, Image. You can also get directly from their site as well. Boom. They all do. You, you don't have to get it through Comixology. You can get b- books digitally directly from the publishers on their websites. Readers are going to go and do that. And they're going to get their books that way because this is, an, this is an industry that is serialized. And books come out week to week. And you want to read the next issue week to week. That's what's going to happen. Unless the publishers 
decide we are going to hold off on new material for two months while the world is quarantined, then I think that when we come out of this, the comics industry, comics distribution, comics shops are going to look very, very different. And it's not just comics. I think it's going to hit a lot of different industries hard uh, all over the place. Um, but I think that this is, this is for us, one of the more visible kind of uh, consequences of a system that was put in place uh, that, that we've talked on the show many a time mm-hmm. about how unsustainable it was. Um, because, hey, I haven't had a shop for three years, so I don't rely on Diamond for my books. I go to Comixology, I get my books. Done. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think next Wednesday, when there's no new books at shops, that's what people are going to do. Yeah. It, it could be, this could be the thing that pushes the industry totally into digital, mm-hmm. or m- much more of it. How many people who do want the fix every week will wait two months and then have read them digitally and then actually buy the books they pre-ordered? Right. I was going to say, what if they, after, you know, a few weeks worth of experiment with what's happening now, they do something to the effect of, you know, single issues, digital, and then only sell collected versions in stores like it's, it becomes a graphic novel. You thing. don't need local comic book shops to do that. And, well, I know. And you, you go to Barnes & Noble, you go to your, your bookshops yeah. and all that kind of thing. You don't need LCSs. And here's the other thing that sucks to say, but remember when comics were on sale at the supermarket? And, yes. And, and the bodegas and places like that? All those places are still open. Hmm. Yeah, they had other product to sell, in essence. It was a nice little sidebar, but it was that sidebar industry that got in some ways, everyone into comics because they were everywhere. Um, interesting choices. Carol, how about you? What's your take on this? No, I think, I I don't think I have anything to add. I think you've covered all the different sides of it and the, and the different ways that it could, could go. I am curious about the, will they hold back the product idea? Um, I mean, in the in the short term, that could hurt them, but it could also mean that if they can keep paying creators and allow the creators to get a little bit ahead, then maybe yeah. in in the near to I don't know intermediate mm. term, that means they can put stuff out without interruption. I'm looking at you, Doomsday Clock. <laughs> 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 I'm a little surprised that this isn't more. Um, like clear cut you know this is a major major thing that's about to happen i mean stores are already closing or closed and then there's no more products coming in but there i've i've yet to see somebody who's spoken with like let's say the comiXologies or even the individual publishers themselves and like joey had said going to their websites to get their books and you know signing up for some kind of a subscription service with them. Maybe they have teams that are working on things right now to present uh, some kind of subs- uh, subscription service in the meantime. Um, I just, I feel like we know what's happening on the movie side of things. Things are being pushed or things are being released digitally and that's kind of how they're handling it. But we haven't really heard any plan 
for this. Like we don't even know if there's going to be digital books in a week or so. And I would be very curious to know if all of a sudden we're going to have to switch the format of this show to, you know, the library. <laughs> so I'm, Marvel, I'm serious. So like, I'm just going, have to do that. I'm going through all the publishers, Twitters right now. Marvel says five hours ago, true believers. This week's new comics are on sale early as we all adjust to the new world outside our window, support your LCS and ask about polis curbside pickups, deliveries, and other safe shopping options. Local comic shop info is here and they give you a link. That's what Marvel says. Thanks, Marvel. Yeah, thanks, Marvel. Uh, Way to step up. Let's see what DC says. That's the first thing they have said, so I'd be interested. I'm uh, going on Comixology right now to see if new books are on sale. Well, let's see if new books for April 1st are pre-orderable, and what's the date? The 25th book should be there, because that's that'll be you know this morning. Yeah. DC uh, has not said anything about anything. release, anything about anything. Yeah, and uh, really, from what I've read from a number of store owners and heard directly from some, Diamond has not, except for sending out form letters, they're not answering answering any questions. You can't get your rep on the phone. They're not being forthcoming about, well, what comes next, and are you going to shred these books, hold these books? I mean, if they come out digitally, and then you send, even if you pause someone's account— and you send them, now they haven't done any business for a month and a half, and now you're going to send them two months' worth of books they have to pay for hmm. in total? Because some most of these stores are on either COD or 7 or 14 days. Right. Yeah. It's, that's a burden. Image and Boom are both saying boost your local comic book shop, that kind of thing. Again, nothing about distribution because at the end of the day, they're not the distributors. I mean, this, right. is, this, is the, right. this is the nature of this this system that we put in place right yeah marvel wants to sell their books you're totally right but if diamond decides not to ship them marvel still wants to sell their books Mm -hmm. and they're gonna find ways to sell their books and frankly it sucks but it's not their the the way the system is set up they're not beholden to the comic shops really in any way um and that's why, yeah, they could have been a hell of a lot more helpful than they were and offered things like, you know, uh, free returns. And I, several publishers did do that and things like that. But if Diamond isn't going to shit the books in the first place, none of that matters. Right. Uh, Comixology has not updated their shop. So their their books, I believe, are still uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. It's the 25th. Okay. Um, it's a... Marvel, at some level, is the cause of this monopoly. They bought a distributor called Heroes World many, many years ago with the attempt to distribute their own book. And at that point, there were four or five different really large comic book distributors and and a number of smaller ones. And eventually, Diamond gobbled them all up. You had to have one distributor. Actually, my, my local store had three distributors at once. It was sort of one for Marvel, one for... DC and everybody else, and then one for magazines. So he'd get three different shipments in a week. And then it eventually started to narrow itself down. There were one or two, and then Diamond just took over. They do a good enough job for what it is they do, but as we've discussed, the problem is when there's only one person doing it or one company doing it, a draconian measure like this, now there isn't any other option. Now, for stores, uh, we have one local store here that I know Carolyn's familiar with up in Huntington, Escape Pod, he does a lot of other 
things. He sells lots of trade paperbacks from smaller publishers. He buys from actual book distributors. But even his business, as he was saying, is still, he still likes to sell single issues, but things are going to have to change. And the way he describes it, they may change for everybody, even people who do what he does. It's a new world. And as you say, this could be, if, if it is all trades after single issues digitally, the, well, the, a local comic store may not be able to catch up with that. There may not be enough trade paperbacks yeah. to make up the difference because not every, look, as DC uh, learned themselves, they, they cut way back on the reprints. Mm-hmm. Im- image, one of the things they talked about here was putting out less books. They're not going to do second printing. They're not going to do some of these trade collections that they realized maybe they didn't have to do. Not everything needed to be collected and then collected more than once. We'll put out the deluxe hardcover after we do two different versions of the, the soft cover. Right. That's going to take some adjustment. And all we can hope for is, honestly, the interruption is short enough that it's just an interruption and not a major pause that could lose us the entire landscape almost of the independent comic store that's been the backbone of this since the 70s. Right. Well, speaking of collections and to uh, end this conversation on a high note, I picked up the other two omnibuses of Wonder Woman, George Perez, the other day. Nice. nice. So I've got all three. I'm guessing that that's all of it. Is Maybe there's a fourth one. I don't know. He did 62 issues as writer, artist, was it the first one? Oh, 20? this is, yeah. This or is whatever, it, Yep, yep. All I know is that I opened up that first one. I haven't really thumbed through uh, two or three yet, but I thumbed through that first one. And man, I am so excited to dig into that and and experience all of those stories. I have never read any of them. That is going to be wild. Uh, I wish I had more time on my hands. That's That would totally be my reading project, uh, even though I know I should be reading Sandman. But that's for another time. <laughs> Uh, I also have the question a year from now about why didn't Steve read Wonder Woman? He bought them. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also picked up the final hardcovers for Wicked and Divine, and it turns out that it's two books. Uh, Yeah, together. So it's it's the final issues of the main series. And then there is an extra hardcover attached to the final volume that is the holiday issue. Like so all the all the, the silly one shots. Are, are in a hardcover as well, and then a bunch of supplemental material and, you know, alternate covers and stuff in the back as well. Just overall, all of them sitting all pretty next to each other, oversized hardcover. Mwah. So Mwah. glad to have that series in its entirety sitting all, all nice and, and neat. Let's just say what we're looking forward to this week and end and this thing. Um, Bob, what are you picking up? Or, Wonderful. sorry, <laughs> what, what are you doing for, for new comic book day? Well, yeah. here's the thing. I am going to my local comic book store's house where he'll have okay. the books unless – it depends. If he gets um, the right so – shady. If he gets the right <laughs> clearance, uh, he, he's checking on something. According to the edict passed down from Governor Cuomo – only essential businesses can open. And there are a whole list of which businesses are allowed to be open there. They provide food or 
drugs or uh, plumbers, electricians, so on. There is one clause in this that relates to basically solitary worker slash proprietor slash owner businesses that are deemed according to clause number 17, which I was shown, his business. He can, he can only open at a certain time frame. You can't have people in the store, really, but he might be able to—I might be able to actually go to his store and pick it up, but I, I really think I'm going to end up at his, at his house and on his stoop. So wow. uh, from his stoop, I will be picking up Wonder Woman 754, Marvel's Fantastic Four Snapshot, X-Men FF number three, and Star number three. And if I can get in contact with the good folks down at Androids, they're doing mail order, and they should have Amethyst number two and Seven Days number six for me. Very cool. And uh, oh, and just for the record, when I was picking up those books uh, over the weekend, that was a pre-arranged, pre-purchased, controlled one person in the store at a time uh, set up to get those. So that was pretty wild. And uh, just what we've got to do for right now, I suppose, for for some places. Uh, Joey, what are you picking up? Uh, Crowded number 12, second issue of On the Stump, uh, which I like. That was the uh, cage fighting politics one. Um, second issue of Tomorrow as well, the Pete Milligan story, where uh, young people are the only ones that survive this mass pandemic and have to decide what's going to happen in the future. That's uh, pretty prescient. Uh, Wolverine, second issue of Wolverine uh, is coming mm-hmm. out as well. X-Men number nine, X-Men Fantastic Four number three. Once in Future is back. I'll be picking up that one, too. First issue of Hellions, which is like, all the bad folks on Krakoa make a team, which is great. (laughs) I'm here for that. Um, Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler as well. Uh, Alan Davis on that one. And a second volume of Heavy Vinyl uh, presented as a graphic novel format called Y2KO. I'm here for that. Heavy Vinyl Fight Club. Let's go. I think while. all of my books were mentioned. <laughs> Every well, well, all right. Folklords number five of five. I'm very curious to see how that ends. Uh, Once in future, Amethyst. I might pick up Coffin Bound Volume One. I I slept on that series. I heard it was pretty good. That's being collected for New Comic Book Day. I might check that out. Uh, Monstrous number twenty seven. Falcon and Winter Soldier, of course. Giant Size uh, Nightcrawler. I too am picking up Hellions. Uh, Star Wolverine, X-Men, X-Men, and Fantastic Four. Uh, Carolyn, are you picking up any books this new comic book day? Um, Wonder Woman 754, uh, I think Nightcrawler, and I'm uh, on the fence about Batgirl 45. Um, yeah, I'm on the fence, mm. but I mean, <laughs> the uh, I uh, oh, I mentioned the Batgirl to Oracle podcast earlier. I was on the last episode, which I think posted today, oh. and we, we talked about the last couple of those there, as well as some classic uh, Chuck Dixon Birds of Prey. But yeah, I've 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 had some difficulty with the last few, but I don't know. I feel this Babs loyalty, so I'll probably pick it up. Better man than I am, Gunga Din. I uh, gave up long. I gave up long ago. Yeah, well. well that's when the costume changed. E, that was probably that was a good, good got, jumping yeah. off. Good jumping off time there. Yeah. It's like, oh, hmm. this, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, by the way, in store, in stores, if you have a store and it's open, 
or I guess you can access it on previews is tomorrow. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, if your if your store wants to take an order from you in this case, whether it's just a few or a, your regular pull list, it helps them to even if they can't actually place an order yet to sort of get a feel for who might be around afterwards. Mm. So, otherwise, you, what's going to happen, particularly on smaller books, your store is going to order have to order blind. And some of those littler titles, a lot of things, I'm the only person who gets them in my store. So it's it, it's a great help for people who are going to have a lot of struggles to see what the new landscape is, if you can give them a heads up. And pick up your pull list if you get the chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you've, uh, We said it last week. We'll say it again. If you have a pull list, if you are loyal to a store, you know, I know things are tough right now, but maybe reach out to them and uh, via online or, or the phone or whatever and just find out where they're at, what they're doing, whether or not they're going to be doing any services to get people their books. Uh, you know, maybe how they're feeling about the whole diamond thing. I don't know. Uh, they they're going to need everybody. And, you know, it's it's easy to go uh, digital in these times and stuff like that. Uh, I try to do a little bit of both just to, you know, make sure that everybody gets peace and I, I really don't know what the future holds for this stuff. And that makes me really sad. You know, this is this is something that we we love to do and love to get together every week and, and talk about the new books that hit the shelves and everything like that. Uh, I will say this just so nobody um starts to freak out or is wondering what's going on. Uh, I have not discussed this with anybody, but I'm a hundred percent that they're going to be with me on this. Whatever happens to the comics industry, if it goes on hiatus for a time, whatever, we will still have a podcast. We will still get together and deliver a podcast on Wednesdays because we all have more than enough stuff and can share more than (laughs) enough stuff with each other to make new episodes of the show. We might have to talk about older things, but hey, we've gotten requests to go into the libraries and go digging and whatnot. So maybe, you know, maybe we do a couple of weeks worth of those shows if if, if the worst happens. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just wanted to put that out there so that people aren't wondering. I know some people really love this show. And, you know, my, my intention is to, uh, our intention is to keep it going. Uh, for as mo- as long as we possibly can, so because uh, we love this show, yes, and we love you guys out there, and it's scary times. And in the same way, we should all be checking on our neighbors and relatives to see what's up. Well, we need to check in with each other and with you people in the audience. Make sure if you want to get in touch with us, hit the twitters, send the emails, all those social th- media things that we put out there. We all need to talk to you, too. So don't yep. hesitate at all. We're, we're here, and we're going to continue to be here if we're talking about TV episodes or we're talking about, as Steve says, old books or new books or we trade books off with each other. Hey, you never read that thing I talked about 47 years ago. So We're all we going to watch. 
We're going to watch the Holly Berry Catwoman. I would love to do that. <laughs> and we're going to have a drunk tweeting <laughs> a, of the a Holly drunk, Berry. A drunk episode entirely dedicated to Holly Berry's Catwoman. I was going to say we should read Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey's Young Avengers again because I have a side issue right here. But we can do Catwoman instead if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I just picked oh. Joey. I picked up some of those Young Avengers issues just recently. Because they're they were, I hate to say I hate to say they're in the dollar bin, but I haven't gotten to read them. But <gasps> yeah, how nice okay. they'll pop. Yeah. It, it looks very good. You were right, as always. Have you not read that? No. Bob's not a Young Whoa. Avengers kind of guy. Oh, that is, that series was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy it. Interesting. Learning on, things. Yeah, it's on a pile with the Children's Crusade collection. I was going to say. Oh, Children's Crusade was very good as well. Yeah. So there was a whole there's a whole theme going over there. You know? <laughs> the whole theme. Bob's reading Young Avengers. That's the theme. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So is that it? That's, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at TalkingComics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And please go and check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, and of course, the ladies of Valhalla, who I believe are going to be recording a new show later this Wednesday evening. Oh. So, if, if fingers crossed, you never know. Uh, but look forward to that. <laughs> so, Always. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email, bobryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey? At Joey Ruccino. And Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, my email is cocac at oldwestbury.edu. Yeah, yeah, I am at... Dead underscore Anchorus on the internet. So for Bob. Belated happy William Shatner's birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday to Jeremy as well. Yes. Jeremy yes, Whitley. Jeremy Whitley. Whitley. I couldn't Whitley. remember his last name for a second. <laughs> What's his Jeremy birthday? Whitley. It was like it's yesterday. today, Wednesday. No, I'm sorry, Tuesday. To ah. time travel. Tuesday, the 24th Hap of March. March. Happy birthday, Jeremy. There you go. Uh, how many Marvel characters are at your house right now, Jeremy? <laughs> Probably a lot more than mine. Uh, Carolyn, say goodbye to the people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, I have two ways of saying goodbye. One is, happy birthday, Bob. Thank you. And the other is... Call the U.S. Capitol switchboard, 202-224-3121. Tell them the American people could use their help, so they should really get on that. Good night. <laughs> Joey, did you want to say anything? What Carolyn said. Yeah, yeah. do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for, for bearing with us, bearing with me in particular. I apologize if I am uh, a little off my game. But hey... We're here. We're happy to be here. We're yes, going to we keep are. coming at you. We're going to keep more being here. And more stuff. Uh, I promise not to be so doom and gloom all the time. We love you guys so much. Stay safe. Stay clean. Protect your family, your friends, 
yourself, have patience with one another, and and just be well. All right. Uh, until next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued. I do, uh, so I, I do all my own from Les Mis. Oh, man. Of course. <laughs> and then you cry. And then I cry. <laughs> Without him, the world around changes. All night. That's funny because when if I'm left to my own devices, the first Les Mis song I will sing to myself, with myself, is Confrontation. <laughs> Valjean, at yeah. last we see each other plain. Monsieur Le Maire, you'll wear a different chain. Before you say another That's word, it. Javert, before you chain me up <laughs> slave again, listen to me, there is something I must do. This woman leaves behind a suffering child. There is none but me who can intercede. In mercy's name, three days are all I need. Then I'll return. Pledge my word. Then I'll return. You must think me mad. I've hunted you across the years. A man like you can never change a man such as you. We don't need to do the feud. <laughs> oh, are we stopping? Okay. That was awesome. Stay's mad. Stay's mad. Very nice. Uh, now we have an after credit sequence. <laughs>